With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But it couldn't happen without that aha moment. The Jiggy Jaguar Radio Program is back on the network. It is our number three of our big broadcast. Welcome to it. Thanks for tuning in to the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Program from the KJG Radio Studios. In not just Kansas, 2 Central, 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific, 1 PM Mountain Standard. And, of course, 24-7 at JiggyJaguar.com. Our premium podcast is available for $5 a month at JiggyJaguar.info. Selected editions will appear on iHeartRadio. In fact, this edition will appear on iHeartRadio as soon as we get off the air. 50-plus AM FM stations in the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Network. We're going to be doing a special panel today. We wanted to bring in uh, several of our experts uh, as 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 we join them each and every Tuesday, we've got Donald Bazella from SB Digest. We also have on the telephone Dan Perkins from TheHill.com. And also today joining us, our guest Paul Contras, who is from Wellcove Healthcare. And uh, we're going to be talking healthcare today. Before we do that, um, Don and Dan, uh, we're going to go ahead and let Paul give us a brief introduction on what Wellcove Healthcare does and, and, and kind of you know how they fit into the whole picture of the healthcare industry. Industry. Paul, go ahead and jump in there, my friend. Uh, Wilcove uh, is a, uh, a chain of um, skilled nursing facilities, uh, living facilities, independent living facilities, and home health agencies uh, located uh, throughout the Midwest. Our, our corporate headquarters is in Edina, Minnesota, and we have facilities in Minnesota, South Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, Nebraska, Iowa. Uh, we're now uh, entering the Kansas uh, market. We have a, we're building a 100-unit independent living facility in Shawnee Mission, Kansas, which is uh, slated to open up on November 1st. And um, so we're in the uh, in the senior care business. Now, uh, now, Dan, you 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 work in uh, you you've worked in and around that business. You've got uh, yourself your own nonprofit uh, that that helps veterans. Um, yeah. I know that you've got some 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 stuff you wanted to you wanted to ask Paul. So I'm going to let you uh, do do our do our first question here, and then we'll just uh, we'll let Don go through, and we'll uh, we'll we'll take our breaks where needed, and uh, we'll just have a great discussion here today. So Dan, go ahead and lead us off, my friend. Thank you, sir. Um, I uh, have been in uh, the money management business for 40-some years, and uh, healthcare is a, a core element. Um, I've owned uh, some of your competitors, uh, Emeritus Corporation, and I've done uh, a lot of pharmaceutical work, and, um, and I, I look at what's going on to healthcare in our country, and I know that... Um, the thing, one of the things that you do, which is very interesting to me, uh, which I've seen probably in the last two years, at least in my influence in New Jersey and in Florida, is the is the explosion of private home health care, and, and not so much health care as, um, in addition to perhaps health care. Uh, 
assistance in living and staying in their own homes. Uh, are you are you in that business? Well, uh, yeah, we have uh, seven home health uh, care agencies um, in uh, actually in, in Montana, but it's a it's a very small uh, piece of our business. Uh, we we do about uh, two hundred million in revenue, and um, maybe uh, you know less than uh, ten million of that is is home health. Um, so, you know, our focus, uh, um, in fact, before we did a major acquisition at the end of 2012, we didn't have any home health. Uh, you know, our focus has been, um, you know, more uh, the, the nursing home and assisted living independent living setting. But, yeah, you're right. There's, a, there's huge growth in the, uh, in the home health uh, market, and there will continue to be uh, big growth there, too. Um, and, uh, of course, there will continue to be a need for, uh, independent, assisted, and skilled nursing also, uh, uh, you know, the demographics are such that uh, just the sheer numbers of uh, the increase in the in the elderly population is going to be pretty dramatic. It really not starting until 2020. Right now, from 2015 to 2020, it's kind of the, the growth, the typical growth we've been seeing in the elderly population. But in 2020, the, the baby boomer, uh, kind of wave, age wave is going to hit, and there's going to be a dramatic increase in the percentage of elderly of our population uh, beginning in the year 2020. I've seen some research from the from the Census Bureau that said starting in about 2000, January of 2012, about 19,000 people were retiring a day, and in in 20 years uh, we will. At, be adding on average the equivalent of the, the metropolitan population of Chicago to the retiree base in, in, in this nation, and it's an astronomical number of people uh, and has implications for our, our social services system, our health care system, and, um, and I, 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 I think that, that um, there's an awful lot of people very concerned about what's going on in health care and the cost of health care. And I know there there's some talk uh, in the uh, the political campaigns um, on the Republican side. Uh, uh, repeal, repeal and replace Obamacare with something else. And um, curious if you have any thoughts on that. Oh, I'm sorry. If I have, I, I, I thought you were asking our other panelists. Uh, well, right. I mean, that's that is is uh, you know something we're all. Uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, on the edge of our seat about what, what what's going to happen with that. I mean, I we we're, we feel fairly certain that there probably won't be a repeal of Obamacare, and that uh, the Affordable Care Act and the and health care reform initiatives that have been uh, uh, set in motion will uh, will continue. And you know, we're trying to to embrace those uh, uh, changes. And uh, you know, be in a position to uh, to uh, kind of uh, capitalize on the opportunities they provide for for our segment of the industry. You know, we we think in the long term care uh, arena that there's a lot of opportunity to uh, help uh, achieve the goals uh, of the, uh, the the healthcare uh, reform initiatives, which are basically to you know get the cost. The, you know, under control, 
and to provide better outcomes, you know, and better quality of care. And it's uh, you know it's about coordinating uh, the different the different areas of uh, healthcare service. And we feel that in the you know long term care industry, we're able to provide services at a much lower cost point than the acute care, you know, the hospital setting. And so you know we think we're going to be able to uh, be an integral part of that that whole process. Um, yeah. So, you know, but there is a lot of change coming, and, and it, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. So, <laughs> yeah. One of the things, that, one of the things that I see happening in New York, New York, and in in, uh, in Jersey and in Florida, is the consolidation of practices. Uh, individual doctors who are giving up their practices, or teams of doctors are giving up their practices, and they're going to hospitals. Merges of hospitals, merges of healthcare organizations. Um, so there appears to be uh, the, a concept of consolidation gives you scale, and scale gives you the opportunity to to be more competitive in pricing. Um, are you seeing that opportunity as far as acquisition uh, in in your niche of business um, accelerating? Well, well, yeah. What we're definitely seeing is that, yeah, the, the I guess you know, for lack of a better uh, term, the you know, the mom and pop operators, the uh, people who operate one or two uh, nursing homes or assisted livings, are are definitely you know, kind of bailing out of the business and, and selling to larger uh, uh, chains like ourselves uh, because just you know the. Uh, the amount of change and, and the, the amount of regulation and reporting and everything that's happening is it's, it's pretty pretty involved. And so, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely consolidation in the uh, in the long-term care uh, business. And you know what you were saying about uh, you know the consolidation of the other healthcare services is you know that's spot on. I mean, it, it's you know the part of the healthcare uh, reform initiative is to move towards a uh, a bundled payment system, you know, whereas to, as opposed to uh, paying for, um, uh, you know, different uh, episodes or different, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, you pay for the, the whatever, the knee replacement, and then you pay for the x-rays, and then you pay for the rehab, and then, you you know, what the healthcare reform is moving to is that, you know, we'll, we'll give you a bundled payment uh, to take care of this group of uh, people in this uh, area or MSA or whatever, and um, you know that's uh, definitely going to uh, you know provide incentive for people to to, to consolidate and uh, and and coordinate the care uh, you know uh, better than they are now because there's a lot of disincentives now for people to you know to to bill for separate services uh, you know for the profit. Whereas if you, you know, kind of bring that all together and, and focus on the outcome, theoretically it should uh, uh, improve the coordination and, and bring the cost down and hopefully improve the, the outcomes. We've got – yeah, well, well, hold on. Let, let, me, let, me, let me do this, and then I'll let, let you ask your, your last question there, Dan. 18 minutes after the hour, thanks for joining us today here on our big broadcast here on iHeartRadio. We've got Dan Perkins from TheHill.com. We've got Donald Mazzella from SB Digest with us today. We've also got Paul uh, Contras with us today from, from Wellcove uh, Healthcare. Now, uh, Dan, go ahead and jump back in there with your last question. Yeah, I was just uh, the thing I wanted to ask uh, 
uh, follow up on one of your points, sir, was that you talked about the explosion of the, of the retirees, especially coming after 2020. Um, are you are you finding and are you concerned about finding the human resources to staff your facility, but with so much growth coming? Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're, that's 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 probably our number one challenge uh, right now. You know, so let alone the. Uh, uh, five years from now, um, that's that's what it's all about. You know, it's our uh, our goal is to provide uh, you know the best customer service we can, and and the way we do that is by having the best employees that we can, and having them be as as happy and satisfied, and and that you know translates to good customer service, and and you know it's it's a, it's it's really a challenge. I mean we're. Uh, in in a lot of our uh, well, all of our skilled nursing facilities, you know, we're we're limited by government reimbursement. You know, the the majority of our uh, revenue comes from either the state or the feds. You know, Medicaid or Medicare, and so you know, I mean, we we you know to stay profitable, we 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 can uh, you know only pay uh, what we can afford to pay to our uh, our employees. Obviously, we have to be competitive uh, with other similar facilities in the area, um, but uh, you know it's it's uh, it's a it's a constant challenge, and and it's not all about money. Obviously, about what you pay them on an hourly basis. Uh, it's you know a lot of it's about management and and just you know treating them right and and making them feel appreciated and and uh, giving them a rewarding uh, job, but. Uh, that you know, that's definitely our biggest challenge is is, is you know recruiting uh, and re- and retaining uh, quality employees. Thank you. Uh, I have some follow up hopefully after uh, after Don. Go ahead, Don. Now, Don, jump in there, my friend. I know you've got some questions. Well, uh, I'm I'm here in Minneapolis. Uh, my mother-in-law is today celebrating her 80th uh, birthday, and she. Uh, what I'm struck by is uh, she's had a, a series of debilitating illnesses, and now she has a hospital bed in her home, and she has uh, uh, workers, uh, health people coming in uh, on a regular basis. Uh, it was interesting, the Minneapolis Star on Sunday was a story about the fact that uh, uh, elderly uh, people are being the caregivers for their uh, spouses, and that's a problem. But what I'm struck by is the difference in quality of the home health aid here in uh, Minneapolis versus the home health aid that I'm seeing in New York and New Jersey, where I normally live. And uh, the quality of care here uh, in Minnesota seems to be at a higher level than the quality of care uh, that I'm seeing in, uh, uh, in the Northeast. Uh, you say your headquarters is in Dinah. I'm I literally pass in Dinah on the way to her house where I am right now, and I'm just uh, struck by um, uh, the fact uh, uh, of the quality and, and the differences in it uh, in what's being done and how it's being done. Uh, doctors, the doctor made a house call yesterday, something you don't find in New Jersey anymore, and. Uh, it's the changing face of health care, but also I think it's uh, very much a geographical uh, uh, 
problem as well. It seems that it's better here in the Midwest where you are than we have in the Northeast. Yet uh, I'm told that the uh, uh, reimbursements are the same in the Northeast as they are here in Minneapolis. Um, but there wasn't a question there, it was a statement. And I guess my only question is, you're seeing that as well? Well, uh, you know, uh, that, that's why I'm in the Midwest. <laughs> I know I really like the Midwest. I mean, I've uh, in, in previous lives operated all over the country and, you know, California, you know, Florida, um, not in New York, uh, but, um, you know, I know it sounds cliche, but I, I, there's just a certain um, positivity and, and, and uh, just kind of a higher level of work ethic, I find, you know, when uh, we're dealing with people in the Midwest. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's people that are not in the Midwest that would argue with that. And, but, you know, that's the way I feel about it. And, and um, you know, I can't speak to uh, whatever home health agencies that you've experienced in, in, um, in New York. But, uh, uh, you know, we have very, uh, I've, or I just personally have had very good uh, experience with, uh, um, you know, employees in general in, uh, you know, Minnesota, South Dakota, all those Midwest areas that we're in, uh, versus maybe some other, uh, areas in the country that I've, that I've, that I've operated in. And as far as reimbursement, um, you know, I mean, the reimbursement's kind of, kind of, kind of matches, you know, some states are, are, are far behind others, but, you know, pretty much all states, the Medicaid program does not really cover your costs and the way you, you, you know, you're, it's really subsidized by the Medicaid program, subsidized by the Medicare program and the private pay uh, patients. Um, so that's, you know, it's like I say, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fairly tight, uh, business, you know, our, our margins in the in the um, long-term care business, you know, we're we're happy to to make a five percent, you know, margin after all is said and done, uh, and you know, anywhere in the three to five percent range. So it's not like, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of uh, margin for error, you know. Um, but uh, my my general impression though is that the the, the rates as far as the Medicaid and uh, reimbursement rates in the uh, uh, New York would be much much higher than they would be in in Minnesota. But then on the other hand, I think uh, the cost probably would be lower in Minnesota than uh, than they would be in New York. So uh, maybe the margin is about the same. Well, there's no question that the customer service here in Minneapolis, uh, at just every every level, seems to be at a different level than what was what we're used to in New York and New Jersey. I mean, coming here is uh, <clears throat> almost heaven compared to, to some of the things that have happened. Uh, uh, I've, like Dan, I follow health care, but in a different way. Uh, we're involved with health savings accounts, and, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing marked differences in the usage of the, uh, the accounts and in the... Uh, uh, the payment schedules here in the in the uh, uh, in the Midwest versus uh, the East and the West Coast. But let me go to a, um, something that Dan brought up. Uh, he mentioned the consolidations, and that um, happened. We're talking to a lot of doctors here in Minnesota, and they all seem to be uh, uh, giving up their individual or even group practices 
and uh, going in with hospitals. Is that a trend you're seeing as well? Well, you know, that, that I'm in the, in the uh, you know, long-term care business, so it's, uh, I'm not in the in the acute hospital business or the uh, physician practice business, but that's definitely what I'm hearing is that uh, that is where things are moving. Uh, that's, you know, uh, kind of the uh, more popular um, route that uh, a lot of physicians are taking, and, and like I say, it has a lot to do, I think, with the, the new healthcare uh, reform initiatives that are are, are you know kind of uh, reshaping how uh, payments are made uh, to providers. Well, um, what do you think are the challenges you face over the next five years with your business? Well, uh, you know, I, like I said, one of the big challenges is, is just, uh, you know, recruitment and retention of uh, quality employees. And, and that's always really been the case in, in, in my business, so that's, I guess, nothing new. But uh, um, I guess, you know, kind of dealing with uh, the the um, these uh, pending uh, changes resulting from uh, the uh, the health care reform initiatives and the, and the bundled payments, that, that's... That's you know we're going to be getting to a point too where the we're going to get reimbursed in a in a one payment that's going to go to pay for the care both at the acute hospital and the physician and the skilled nursing facility setting you know in the rehab setting and so we're going to have to uh, you know be able to work with and coordinate with the other. Um, Providers, you know, acute care providers, and, and so on and so forth, and uh, you know, also the uh, the advent of managed care is is, is going to be increasing, um, you know, significantly as, a, as far as the percentage of our our payers, and uh, so you know, and, and also the just the, the whole IT, you know, information technology, just to be able to you know keep up with all the demands and. Uh, and, and the increasing regulations. Uh, so, I mean, you know, we, we got a lot, I, I could probably keep going on and on, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of, lot of uh, moving parts and a lot of balls that we got up in the air that uh, we, we're going to have plenty, of, uh, plenty to keep us busy uh, in the coming years. Well, how can we help you educate uh, the consumer to better understand what you offer and what other people offer? Um, well, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of pretty helpful uh, avenues now, as far as uh, the, um, you know, I guess maybe a lot of this through the internet now. You can, you know, and you, you know, you see uh, commercials now about the uh, the services like a place for mom, and and you know, there's, um, uh, you know, I think a lot of potential sources for people to get online and, and, and talk or, you know, talk to people either on the phone and, and explain the situation with their their loved one, you know, their mother or their father or whatever and uh, and uh, you know find the uh, the appropriate setting. 
We've got uh, a great, great healthcare panel with us today, 30 minutes after the hour. We've got uh, Paul Contras with us today. We also have Donald Mazzella and Dan Perkins. Um, Dan, do you have any follow-ups there off of uh, Don's Don's questions? I serve on the President's Advisory Council to a small liberal arts college in Nashville, Tennessee, which is dominated by a school of nursing and has been for many, many decades. It's really a school of nursing with a liberal arts side, of it, side order. Um, but when I, in speaking with the president of the college, what she tells me, uh, in the state of Nashville, the state of Tennessee, that uh, in that state alone, by 2020, the city, the, the, the state of Tennessee will have a shortage of registered nurses of over 15,000 in one state. And you're in the, in the, in the uh, area of where you're hiring in some of your facilities professional staff, uh, nurses with uh, master's degrees or, or whatever. Um, skilled nursing is even more difficult to find than just uh, general service personnel. And as I understand, um, this whole problem of a shortage of both doctors and nurses is going to exaggerate as we get to that 20, 20 year you're talking about, if not sooner, because of all the consolidation in healthcare, um, the the change in compensation for the professional staff is, uh, I don't want to say forcing people out, but but making people decide to uh, retire early. So what are you what are you doing about the challenges of finding professional staff? Well, um, you know, we I I uh, like I said before, that that is our big challenge. What are we doing about it? We're we're uh, you know, kind of working with um, our we have recruiters that we that we have hired uh, for different regions uh, of the um, of the company, and um, uh, you know, I mean, we're we're basically doing everything we can to get the the wage rates up to where they need to be to be competitive. Uh, and uh, you know, I guess I, I'm maybe you're asking more: Are, are we doing anything, uh, you know, uh, to increase? the level of interest of people wanting to enter the industry, uh, become nurses or whatever. And I, I guess I, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're kind of focused on our own situation, just trying to hire those people. And, you know, what you're saying is very concerning, uh, like a, a big pending, uh, nurse shortage. And, um, uh, you know, although I have to say, I, I got into business in, in 1984 and, uh, there's always been some, like, just pending uh, crisis looming on the horizon. And, and I've been through a number of, uh, you know, severe nurse shortages uh, that have, it's, it's somewhat cyclical, or that's been my experience. Now, I don't know if that will uh, be that way again, but, I mean, there, there uh, was probably two or three over the last, you know, 30 years, two or three, where, oh, my God, there's this huge nurse shortage. And what happens is, you know, you, you end up uh, increasing the compensation. 
and uh, you know it, it, it kind of comes back around, and then and uh, I, I you know uh, it, it kind of uh, like a, it, it, it uh, the market correct, corrects itself. Um, uh-huh. So you know, I mean, I, I guess that's where, you know what I'm. Uh, you know, if you ask me, what are we doing about it? I, I, I'm hoping that that's what's going to happen. You know, as far as my my company, I'm trying to make our wage rates and our company as attractive as possible uh, as an employer to to get the quality of people. But you're you're right. It's it's you know, uh, long term care. You know, there's a certain stigma about you know nursing home working in a nursing home versus working in an acute hospital, and and it takes a special kind of person. Uh, with a special kind of compassion, I think, to work uh, as a nurse in a nursing home. And, uh, I would agree. So, I would agree. Yeah. One of the things Point. I've heard re- recently is that uh, uh, the areas that you're not, not operating in, but it may be affecting your availability of personnel, is that some of both uh, the West Coast and the East Coast major cities are offering bounties for nurses to come to work in California or New York or Massachusetts or Rhode Island. Uh, are you seeing that in the Midwest? You mean some people leaving the Midwest because of bounties on the West Coast or East Coast? You know, right. I, I haven't really heard. Right. Yeah, no, I, not, I haven't really heard that, you know, but I'm not saying that's not happening, but I, I just I, I haven't heard that from any of our people uh, uh, so not personally, I haven't heard that, no. Okay. Did you want to ask another question, Don? Well, I was going to say, uh, I addressed 100 young, 100 some odd young uh, graduates uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I asked them the question, uh, what field did they want to go into? And after uh, computers, uh, a majority of the people wanted to go into health care. What do you think is the best way of preparing for jobs in healthcare uh, coming up for our young people. Well, I, yeah, I think you know, getting a uh, uh, a nursing uh, education or what, well, whatever it is they want, if they want to go to med school or yeah, I, I think just going to the traditional uh, uh, institutional uh, education programs is is probably the best way to get into healthcare. Are you seeing more and more of the people that you're recruiting, uh, as Don's talking about education, are nurses who have their RN and then are going on for physicians' assistants? Well, um, you know, that that may be the case with, and I guess I'm not close enough to the, you know, I'd have to ask my VP of Human Resources and some of her recruiters or some of our our uh, regional management people. Um, maybe there's a number of nurses in our facilities right now that are going to go on and get their physician assistant, uh, uh, you know, credentials or whatever. But uh, uh, you know, I, I can't really say. I mean, that might be more common for for nurses that go to work in a in a, in a you know a physician practice and are working with a you know primary care physician or some sort of specialty physician, and then they. Do that. Right. I don't know if that's typical coming out of the uh, the nursing home uh, setting, but uh, I can't say for sure. Do you, do you have uh, doctor uh, uh, capabilities in each of your nursing homes, or is it out, is it done on a on a contract basis, or are they actually working? Yeah, we, we well we have a, we definitely have a medical director for each facility, which is a 
a physician, uh, you know, that will have a relationship with the local hospital and, you know, comes in and um, does rounds on a periodic basis in the, in the facility. Um, and in a few of our facilities, we actually do have, um, uh, you know, physicians on staff, but that's more the exception uh, than the rule. We have maybe, um, you know, over you know, like 50, 60 facilities. I think we only have that at maybe, oh, I don't know, three or four facilities. So, uh, but yeah, obviously each of the patients have their own physician uh, uh, that, uh, you know, they're, they're dealing with. And, um, and uh, as, as things kind of evolve in the, in the long-term care business and, and we're moving to be, provide services more like an acute care hospital, uh, you know, uh, did an acute care setting maybe 20 years ago. I mean, now we, we've got, uh, you know, ventilator-dependent uh, residents. Uh, we have a, a, a traumatic brain injury program uh, in our uh, facility in Red Wing, Minnesota, which, you know, that, that services uh, residents of all ages, and we have a, uh, a physician there full-time, uh, Dr. Carroll, who's you know, one of the kind of leading experts in, in, the, in the traumatic brain injury uh, field. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, you know, he's, that's his program. He's there every day and he works full time. And so, that, you know, we're, uh, the long-term care business is definitely uh, kind of moving to embrace more um, acute uh, services. And as we do that, it'll be more and more common to have uh, physicians on staff. Right. If you look at your um, at your practice uh, uh, or your business, I guess is a better word. Maybe practice is okay to say it too, because you are in the medical field. If you look at your facilities across the, your your business mix, do you do you take um, Medicaid patients? Oh yeah, the, 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 you know the the, tip, the typical nursing home in, in the country where the where I could say the the uh, if you look at all sixteen thousand skilled nursing facilities in the country, um, the percentage there's like an average percentage breakdown uh, and it's about two thirds Medicaid. I mean it's about sixty sixty, sixty five percent Medicaid, uh, maybe five to ten percent Medicare and the rest uh, private or managed care. So yeah, I mean Medicaid is a is a, a huge part of our um, revenue in our patients. That, that being the case, and, and your expectation of an explosion of, of potential customers for you after 2020, uh, can the Medicaid fund handle an explosion of patients coming into your institutions? Well, all yeah. of your industry. Right. I mean that, that. You know that's uh, that's the big uh, the big question. But then that same question has been there, like I say, for uh, for the last twenty, thirty years. And there's always um, gloom and doom predictions that oh no, you know there's, we're just not gonna uh, you know we're gonna bust the bank and and uh, and and that is the big challenge is to figure out how we're going to uh, be able to to pay for all the care that all these elderly people are going to require and you know uh, it's a matter of kind of uh, evolving and, and adapting and, and, and getting more creative uh, with how we provide the service and, and, and bringing the cost down I mean it's it's uh, you know the market will 
will kind of uh, uh, determine how that you know how that all flops out. And and uh, I, like I said, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you, but but that you know that's going to be uh, you know kind of front and center in uh, I think on the political agenda and in the healthcare agenda as far as uh, you know how we deal with these uh, uh, these increasing costs. Yeah, but I guess my concern is that that while I agree with you that there's been discussion and a lot of rhetoric about Medicare and Medicaid and, and Social Security over the last 30 years, uh, in that block of time, at 30 years, we have not seen uh, what is about to be an enormous explosion of people coming into the age sector where they're going to need uh, to dwell upon those resources whether it's uh, Medicare, Medicaid, or Social Security. And my concern is that that overwhelming uh, explosion of baby boomers coming into that marketplace, uh, we, don't, we don't have apparently enough money under our, under our Medicaid programs to pay for certain drug treatments uh, because it's too expensive. Uh, and we're going to let people uh, linger and die because we can't afford to pay for that. Uh, that's a whole separate issue. But what we're talking about is we've spent a little bit of time talking about the human resources uh, necessary to staff for this coming wave. And, that's, and I think that's a fair characterization, a wave of hundreds of thousands, if not tens of millions of, of retirees that are going to hit that system. But I'm also concerned about the, the resources, the financial resources, uh, to uh, not only fund through Medicaid, but for you and organizations like yourself getting the necessary capital to expand your businesses uh, to provide facilities for this wave that's coming. Are you finding that difficult? Um, well, uh, boy, I tell you, yeah, that's a, real, that's a real good question. It's something that probably, you know, if anything keeps me up at night, that's that's one of the things is, you know, how, you know, how is this all going to, uh, um, flop out, you know, with the, you know, you get this huge increase in, um, demand and, uh, you know, it, at some point, you know, there's gotta be, uh, a reckoning, uh, you know, we could, I guess we could get even more, uh, philosophical or political and start talking about our $17 trillion deficit that the federal government has and that at, at what point um, do we make some major changes and in, in, in concessions and benefits and whatever to, to turn the ship around and um, uh, you know I, I, I guess you know we're, we're managing uh, with what they're reimbursing us uh, with right now and uh, you know uh, I guess uh I don't really know what to tell you as far as we know what's going to be, how what's going to happen five to ten years from now. Um, other than, like I say, and, and you make a very good point. I, I, when I say, yeah, well, I've, we've been dealing with these uh, uh, kind of pending crises and we've managed around them for the last 30 years. Uh, but, yeah, there is a difference. You're right. In the next 10, 20 years, there's going to be uh, that uh staggering kind of growth that we haven't seen in the past so right, uh, right. I don't know well you know that's interesting if you look at, at, at on a parallel 
look at what's going on uh, in the Euro Union with Greece and the $340 billion that Greece is in debt to the, to the European bankers and other organizations all over the world, uh, primarily funding entitlements. And uh, mm-hmm. because they don't have much mm-hmm. of a navy or an army, they're, they're spending a huge percentage. Their 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 income to GDP is about uh, uh, their debt to GDP is about 177 percent. So um, they they finance the needs of the of providing the entitlement programs for their citizens by the process of borrowing money. Not much different than what we are doing uh, in the United States. Only ours is 18 trillion dollars, as opposed to 340. But my concern is that at some point in time, there's only so much money to go around. And what bothers me, what, what concerns me, especially about healthcare, uh, is the idea that at some point in time, there's only so much money to go around, and we're going to have to make resource decisions that um, are probably not going to be pleasant, uh, yet are, that are going to be necessary. And um, I, I look at organizations like yourself who are trying to provide a quality product and service to a constituents, uh, that sees a huge wave potential of opportunity coming, but at the same time knowing that with 65% or so, if I understood you correctly, of your patients in your facilities are Medicaid patients, that that fund isn't going to be there forever. So I don't know where this is going to shake out, but it's a business that there's a huge need, but there could be finding ourselves in very limited resources. Well, I can't argue with that. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Can I go sideways from from Yes, Don, jump in there. um, You know, I sit on a medical marijuana dispensary board in New Jersey, and one of the uh, issues we face, uh, over 50% of our uh, patients are uh, people on Medicare, Medicaid, or retired. And uh, one of the things that we're, that we're trying to do is uh, 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 permit them, uh, permit us to dispense medical marijuana in uh, nursing homes and assisted living, et cetera. Have you, um, uh, and now there's 26 states that permit it, are are you uh, dealing with this at all? I'd be curious, and I know it's uh, off the topic, but uh, something that's uh, of great concern to me and to other people. You know, we haven't had that uh, issue come up. Well, my question is, are you dealing with medical marijuana at all in your facilities? Well, you know, I I guess I'm probably the wrong person to ask. Now you got me curious. I'd have to ask my my, uh, chief operating officer, some of our uh, operating people, uh, to see if that happens. I, I haven't heard about it, but that doesn't mean it. I guess it hasn't happened or isn't happening. So, uh, but I know if it was a big deal, I guess I would have, you know, I would have heard about it if there was, uh, you know, a, a major push or a lot. If it was coming up a lot, I'm sure I would have heard about it. So I, I tend to think it hasn't been a, uh, you know, happening a lot or a big issue in any of our facilities. Well, I, I just thought, I just thought I'd ask. Yeah. 
How do you think the changes under Obamacare have affected your business and the future of your business? Well, I, I guess what I was trying to uh, say earlier is that, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity for us you know, in, in the, uh, the long-term no, case. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, because I, I think we're, uh, we're a little more used to uh, providing care at lower reimbursement rates uh, than, say, the acute care hospitals or, or uh, you know, certain whatever physician practices or whatever. And, you know, we, we've had to really kind of, uh, uh, you know, mind our, uh, our, our, you know, tight margins for, for ever since I've been in the business. So we're, that's, that's an environment that we're comfortable with, and I think we're going to be able to uh, help uh, bring down costs and still provide quality care. And so I think it's, uh, it's, it's, gonna, it's an area of opportunity for us. Do you think that um, that as uh, we get deeper and deeper into Obamacare um, and we continue to see this consolidation, there's some rhetoric out there that says that what ultimately the president was trying to do, and hopefully if Hillary gets in, she'll complete it, is single payer, that we basically move the whole medical system under Medicare and get rid of uh, private private pay and, and the insurance companies and just make it a, a single government program. Uh, would that make it an even more difficult environment for you to work in? Wow. That's a, that's a great question and, and one I, I'm... Two in one show. I, wow. Yeah, I, well, I just... I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really have the, I guess, the expertise or the, uh, you know... I, I don't even want to venture a guess on that. I mean, I, I, okay. I, 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 I yeah, I, I have, I don't, I really have, you know, I don't know if I had to, if I had to guess, I would say there's, there's, uh, that's certainly not out of the realm of possibilities, you know, that it, it could definitely, uh, you know, definitely be moving in that direction. Although, um, boy, I don't know. That's that's a tough one to call. Good. Uh, are you, uh, Don't feel like a Lone Ranger. We, 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 we all feel that way. <laughs> are you, yeah. are you, uh, you're not a public company? No. Are you contemplating nope. that? No. No, 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 I don't, I don't, I, 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 I'm, uh, uh, you know, the plan would be to, to, uh, my partner and I would really probably will, um, uh, just uh, at some point, uh, sell the company. Uh, the, uh, the, the idea of going public is just uh, too much brain damage for us. Too much reporting. Yeah, yeah, too much. I too have. Much I had a uh, an institutional client that had been a private company for seventy five years, and somebody convinced them that they should they should go public with a very small percentage of their company. And within four years, they bought it all back and went private again because the, the pressure uh, from the analysts about what are your quarterly earnings going to be, it changed the whole philosophy of the company from making long-term decisions to making short-term decisions. And uh, they, their business suffered. So they just said this was this was a mistake. we got to get out of it. So um, I applaud you for... Uh, 
for trying to build uh, your own little uh, business. What are your expansion plans? I uh, you know we uh, right we we have um, we have a few deals that we're you know we've got in the hopper that we're looking at, uh, and uh, you know if the right opportunity a large opportunity comes along, we we will definitely entertain the possibility. But uh, uh, you know right now we're just trying to kind of fine-tune and tweak our existing operations, and uh, we're going to be very selective about any future uh, acquisitions. So is growth going to come through acquisition or uh, uh, growth on your own by uh, building your own facilities in other parts of the country, or expanding your footprint, or by buying uh, facilities and, and then rebuilding them? I, I probably the majority of growth uh, as it uh, has been uh, up to this point is in acquisitions. Uh, uh, you know, we we have a few. We've built a few facilities. We've got one under construction, like I said, in uh, Kansas. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, no, we're not going to be under any huge uh, new construction uh, uh, program. But uh, you know, we'll we'll do them. Uh, Selectively, as we move along, and, and uh, probably the majority of our growth will come from um, acquisition. You know, I, I, I have one last question, and then I'll let Don go to finish out the program. You know, one of the things that we we, we don't hear as much of it as we used to, or, or maybe it's not being reported, but there has been uh, some reports in New Jersey uh, about uh, abuse of the patients in nursing homes. Do you, do you see that as a diminishing problem or with the increase of patients coming in over the next five to ten years, would you expect that to be an even bigger challenge because of, your, of the personnel that you're trying to get a hold of? Well, I tell you, I, I, I mean, that's something that we just don't tolerate, and I, I just don't see that as a, uh, as a, a big problem. Uh, for us, but now you know the industry in general. I, I, I if anything, I, no, I see it as a diminishing uh, issue because the um, the you know the regulatory environment is just getting more and more. Um, it's just, we're getting more and more uh, regulations and, and scrutinized, you know, more and more all the time. So I, I you know, the. the <laughs> You know the, the possibility of that happening and, and a facility continuing to operate are it, it's really um, not that uh, likely anymore. I mean, it does, I, I know it does happen, but um, I, I see that as uh, less. I see that diminishing. Okay, super. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for joining us uh, from from my standpoint. And um, I'm glad I was able to ask you a couple of good questions. And uh, I wish you luck uh, with your business. And uh, you're in a business that I think is extremely uh, uh, attractive as far as the business model, and you're in many facets of it. And I wish you all the best financial success. Well, thank you very much. I, I sure appreciate that. And and vice versa is really enjoyable. And actually, all your questions were good. <laughs> but the ones that really stunned me, I, I maybe said were good, but they were all very good questions. Well, Don, do you have anything to uh, to, to, to ask our guest as, as we go here, my friend? Don, are you still there? Don, are you still there, my friend? <laughs> we may have lost Don. 
Okay. <laughs> I think we've lost him. Well, uh, let, let, let's do this. Let's wrap up here. With, uh, my thanks to Donald Mazzella from SB Digest and also uh, our good friend, Mr. Dan Perkins here. Dan, before we let you go, how do we uh, connect with you online and uh, get the books and everything else? Yeah. I, I, it's, I, is uh, our guest still on the line with us? Yes. Yes. yes I believe Paul's still there with okay. us. Okay. I, I'm fascinated that you, you talked about you had this gentleman who was specializing in traumatic brain injury. If you, um, if you would be so kind to, to write this address down, um, I have a foundation that treats, uh, helps treat um, active duty soldiers and veterans for both traumatic brain injury and PTSD. And the website is songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. And if he would, uh, if he take a look at that, I'd love to see if there's any way I can help him in in, in dealing with traumatic brain injury, uh, and share with some of the things that we've gone through in the VA and the military hospitals. And so I've given you the uh, web address of the foundation. The book web the book website is danperkins.guru, G-U-R-U. And thanks as always, James, for having me on, and uh, we we'll look forward to talking next week. Definitely. Okay. Hey, there's Don. <laughs> He's back now. Uh, now, 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 Don. Before we let everybody go, um, I, I wanted you to. Uh, did you have another question for our guest before we let him go for today? Well, uh, I, I finally got my book website up, donmazella.com. Okay, that's Don M A Z Z E L L A dot com. The book's there and everything else. And as usual, smallbusinessdigestmag.com. Okay. Well, uh, we, we appreciate Don today. We appreciate Dan. And, uh, Paul, before we let you go, uh, if people want to get involved with you and, and your great organization, uh, how do they get a hold of the, the, the Wellco folks? Uh, uh, the, our site is www.wellco.com, and that would uh, have all the uh, contact information you need. Well, I thank everybody for being with us today. Thanks, guys. And uh, we will, uh, next week on our broadcast, we will have Donald Mazzella and Dan Perkins back with us. And we're going to be talking to an, an author uh, who, who wrote a book about the JFK assassination. So we'll be once again uh, with our conference line talking with uh, uh, a great, great guest next week. So I thank you guys for this week. Thank you, Paul, for coming in here and uh, answering some questions and taking some fire on some of the healthcare issues and uh, you all three of you guys have yourself a wonderful week and we'll talk next week thank you thank you take care thank you guys appreciate it we are going to take a time out and come back with more it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.